When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Previously On. series created to help you through some of the most complex yet brilliant television ever made. So from Game of Thrones, Peaky Blinders, Westworld, Big Little Lies, Stranger Things, Watchmen, previously on, it's got it covered. Westworld Complete Season 1. Howdy, and welcome to Westworld, the high-tech theme park of the future, where nothing can possibly go wrong. Guests to the park pay a fortune to play out a life in the old Wild West surrounded by androids called hosts who don't know that they're in a game, or indeed are androids. We open on a naked and blooded woman called Dolores in a glass-walled chamber. A fly wanders across her unblinking eye as a disembodied voice asks her if she's ever questioned the nature of her reality. We then see Dolores going about her day managing a ranch with her father. Next, we're introduced to Teddy, a smooth young man riding a steam train into town. Others on the train talk about their previous trips to the park and how you can choose to follow good or evil paths. In the bustling and dusty streets of the town, guests and hosts are mingling indistinguishable from each other. Teddy heads to the saloon and meets the local women of easy virtue, but catches sight of Dolores and follows her. The two old friends meet over a dropped tin can and she invites him back to the ranch. Dolores knew he would return to her. Everyone has a pattern to follow in their lives. At the ranch, they hear gunshots. Teddy rides off with his gun and finds bandits have killed Dolores' parents. Teddy shoots them, but a threatening man in black attacks Dolores, annoyed that she does not remember him after 30 years of visiting. When Teddy opens fire on the man in black, nothing happens. Hosts, it seems, can't physically harm guests or any living thing at all, and Teddy is just another of the androids. The man in black, a guest, has no trouble hurting them, however. The next day, repaired and ready for action, Teddy and Dolores begin to follow their set paths and perform exactly the same actions as the day before. Beneath the park, programmers Bernard and Elsie are watching one of the prostitutes and notice she's acting unusually, but put it down to Ford, the creator of the park, putting in a little of his own programming. Ford has given the hosts reveries, hidden memories that act like a subconscious and allow the hosts to subtly grow from their experiences. Bernard is told by director Teresa and head of security Ashley that one of the hosts has become restless in the cold storage room where retired hosts are placed. In cold storage, hundreds of naked hosts stand in rows while in a room behind them, Ford has woken an old host as a drinking companion. 
The host has jerky and uncanny movements. He was the second host ever built. Ford puts him to sleep as Bernard enters. In town, Teddy goes to meet Dolores, but someone else picks up the dropped in can. The man in black hands it back to her, but she doesn't recognise him. Later, the man in black kills one of the hosts and cuts off his scalp, revealing the image of a strange maze under the skin. In the mountains, a pair of new guests are taking part in a hunt for an outlaw named Hector. One of their host guides begins to malfunction and he has to be taken in for repairs. Teresa thinks it's the latest update and orders the updated hosts all brought in. But that would disrupt all the narratives playing out. Lee, the chief story writer, thinks they should stop updating the hosts altogether. Just how lifelike do they need to be after all? He also hints that he knows the park has a purpose far beyond entertaining rich wannabe cowboys. At the ranch, Dolores' father finds a photograph in the soil that shows a woman in the modern world. Dolores remarks that it doesn't look like anything, but her father obsesses over it. He spends all night staring at it. He angrily tells Dolores to leave and whispers something in her ear. One of the hosts in the park has completely gone off script. Though he's been shot, he continues to kill other hosts until frozen by park security. Bernard figures out how the update screwed him up. He was tired of being murdered in his usual storyline because of his reveries. All the updated hosts are going to have to be fixed. They'll hide the recall by making an upcoming heist more deadly to the hosts. Dolores is searching out a doctor for her father in town when she meets Teddy. Before they can go for help, however, a gang led by Hector attacks the saloon, steals the safe and slaughters dozens of hosts, including Teddy. Dolores is shut down by a clean-up team. In the labs, Dolores is just as she was at the beginning of the episode. We find out that she's the oldest host of all. Her father can't be cured, however. Ford wants to work out what went wrong, though, and so interrogates him. He tells Ford that he wanted to warn Dolores about what Westworld really is and to get revenge on those who hurt her in the past. Dolores reveals that her father had whispered in her ear that these violent delights have violent ends. The next morning finds Dolores back in her home and greeting her father, a role played by a brand new host as her former father is placed in cold storage. A fly crawls over Dolores' neck and she swats it dead. Lying in bed, Dolores hears a man telling her to wake up. She walks to the yard outside her house and stops at a patch of ground. The voice asks, Do you remember? We see two men sleeping on a futuristic train. There are some new arrivals to Westworld. Enter William and Logan, colleagues and soon-to-be cowboys. Whilst it's immediately clear that Logan is brash and sexist, William is quiet and reserved. Seems like a friendship for the ages. The train arrives at a sleek terminal where attendants dressed in white are ready to greet the new guests. Logan reminds William to have fun in the park as it's not like my sister didn't ride her share of cowboys when she was here. It seems that William is in a relationship with Logan's sister. William's greeted by a host named Angela who takes him to a private room. It's full of bespoke western clothes, guns and knives for him to choose from. Angela tells William more about how Westworld is structured. He'll start in Sweetwater at the centre of the park and the further out he ventures, the more intense his experience will become. Other than that, there's no guidebook. All he needs to do is make choices. At headquarters, Elsie is trying to figure out what happened to Peter Abernathy. She tells Bernard that every host who breaches does so immediately, but when Abernathy found the photograph, he managed to get home before he reacted. Elsie asks Bernard to pull the hosts Abernathy interacted with, including Dolores, in case whatever is wrong with his cognition is somehow contagious. 
Bernard refuses as Dolores was inspected and found to be fine. He may be a little off the mark there, because we see Dolores walk through Sweetwater as part of her usual routine, but this time she has visions of bodies filling the streets. Maeve's voice brings her back to reality as she asks her to stop loitering outside the saloon. Dolores tells her, These violent delights have violent ends, just like her father did to her, and then she walks away. Outside Westworld, William is dressed and almost ready to enter the park. His final decision is between a white hat and a black hat. He chooses white and then heads through an old wooden door and finds himself in a 19th century train carriage with other guests on the way to the park. At the bar, Logan tells William that by the end of their trip, he'll be begging to stay because Westworld will have taught him who he really is. Back in the park, Sheriff Reed and his men are about to hang a man for murder when the man in black arrives. He says he wants to talk to the man at the gallows, whose name is Lawrence. Reed refuses to stop the execution, so the man in black kills him and his men. While Lawrence doesn't remember his rescuer, the man in black clearly knows him, telling Lawrence that he used to be more eloquent. He throws him Kiss's scalp with the maze tattoo. Lawrence doesn't seem to recognise it, but the man in black is convinced he can help him find the maze, so ties him to the back of his horse. In Sweetwater, Maeve is reciting her backstory to a customer but starts having visions. She sees herself in the countryside with a young girl who looks like her as they are attacked by Native Americans. The customer notices her freeze up and leaves, but Maeve doesn't seem to register this. We now see Maeve being examined in the lab. The technicians can't find any obvious reason why the guests are avoiding her, so increase her aggression in an attempt to make her more seductive. But with Lee Sizemore launching a new storyline and looking to cut any dead weight, she faces being decommissioned if things don't return to normal pretty soon. Meanwhile, William and Logan finally arrive at Sweetwater. When William helps an old man up after falling, Logan warns him that these small events are just ways for the hosts to sell him a narrative. Across the street, Dolores is packing her horse's saddlebags as usual, but she hears Bernard's voice tell her to bring herself back online. Now we see Dolores and Bernard alone in a room. He asks her if she remembers their last conversation, which she does, and whether she's told anyone about their talks. She reminds him that he told her not to. Bernard asks Dolores how many interactions she's had since they last spoke and whether anyone has altered her core heuristics in that time. He's noticed that there's something different about her, something he finds fascinating but others may respond to by decommissioning her. Finally, he tells her to turn off her event log, erase this interaction and go back to the park before someone misses her. At the saloon, Maeve gives her speech to another customer but her newly aggressive performance makes the guest uncomfortable. Later at the bar with Clementine, she has another vision of the group of Native Americans and the young girl. The Westworld technicians monitoring her decide to recall her in the morning. Elsewhere, Teresa wants Bernard to guarantee that his department will be ready for the launch and informs him she knows they're still asking questions about possible issues with the host's update. Bernard assures her that the hosts are now all functioning correctly. Later, Lee Sizemore asks Teresa for 50 hosts for his new narrative instead of the 20 he's been assigned. He also suggests that if the board is looking to cut costs, they should start with firing Dr. Ford. We see William and Logan eating dinner in town when the old man that William helped earlier approaches their table. Logan interrupts the old man's story by stabbing him through the hand. They leave and head to the brothel. While Logan has sex with three hosts, William turns down Clementine, telling her that he has someone waiting for him back at home. In an isolated part of the park, Ford meets a young boy who says he's on holiday with his parents. They walk together for a while, then Ford asks the boy if he can see a white church and hear its bell ringing. The boy says he can, but there's nothing there. Ford spots a black church spire sticking out of the ground ahead of him and tells the boy, who is revealed to be a host, to go home.
Outside the park, we learn that Bernard and Teresa are in a sexual relationship. At Bernard's apartment, they discuss how quiet Bernard is compared with the hosts who never stop talking. Bernard explains that they're practising how to be human. Though she's due to be recalled, Maeve is examined by Elsie, who derides the technicians for upping her aggression. Instead, she increases her perception and emotional acuity and schedules her for a physical examination. She also explains that the hosts can't dream, but are aware of the concept of nightmares in case anyone forgets to wipe their memories. Maeve's brought back to town, and this time her flirting works. Things seem to be back to normal, but when she goes to bed that night, we get a clearer view of what Maeve has been remembering. We see her playing with the young girl in the fields near a farmhouse, then the group of Native Americans attacking them. They escape to the farmhouse, and Maeve grabs a gun, sitting opposite the door to shoot anyone who enters. But instead of one of the Native Americans, the person walking through the door is the man in black. Maeve wakes up on an examination table. Two technicians, Felix and Sylvester, have been working on an MRSA infection in her abdomen. Maeve grabs a scalpel and threatens the men holding her wounded abdomen together as she flees the room. Eventually, she finds herself in a storage area full of hosts, including Teddy, being hosed down and tossed into piles. She collapses just as Felix and Sylvester arrive to sedate her. Elsewhere, we once again see Dolores in bed at night. She heads outside to the yard again, crouches down and digs up a revolver. In headquarters, Sizemore assembles his hosts and outlines the plot of his grisly new narrative, Odyssey on Red River, for Ford and the team. Ford rejects Sizemore's reliance on gore and titillation and says that what the guests actually want is to see something subtle that they think no one else has noticed before. Rather than trying to find out who they are, they all want to know who they could be. Later, Ford and Bernard walk through the desert. Bernard tells Ford the board want a new narrative, but Ford says he's been working on one and shows him the black church spire. Bernard pays another of his clandestine visits to Dolores. He checks she's not revealed anything regarding their secretive conversations. Dolores confirms that she hasn't, on his command. Bernard takes a seat and presents Dolores with a gift, a well-loved copy of Alice in Wonderland, the book, not the DVD. He tells her he used to read the story to his son, then asks her to read a particular passage. The words point towards how things can change, how people can change. Dolores asks Bernard about his son, but Bernard moves the conversation on quickly before dipping into analysis mode to question why she asked him that. Dolores replies that it was a personal question as a means to ingratiate her to him. Dolores continues to read until the final line, Who in the world am I? is left hanging in the air as we cut to black. We're back with Dolores at the start of her day. Opening a drawer, she finds the revolver she pulled from the ground, now safely under wraps. Looking at her reflection, she hears the voice of the man in black asking, Do you remember? We cut back to the heart of darkness as Dolores is dragged screaming to the barn in the aftermath of the slaughter as her home. The man in black closes the door and pulls a serious knife before asking her to reacquaint themselves by starting at the beginning. Back with Dolores in her bathroom, she opens the drawer again, but the gun is gone. That's odd. William's in town seemingly still trying to adjust to life in the weird Wild West. As he approaches the sheriff's office, an outlaw named Horace is brought in for justice. William lazily glances over the wanted posters outside when the man hurtles crashing through the window next to him. Horace bursts from the door armed with a gun, shooting the fallen man dead. He kills two more men, then grabs nearby Clementine as a hostage. William watches uncertainly and obviously shaken. He pulls his own gun and raises it at Horace's back. However, before he finds the nerve to squeeze the trigger, 
Horace spins and shoots him, knocking William to the floor. Just as it seems Horace is about to make off with Clementine in tow, a shot rings out, and from the dusty floor, William kills the bad guy. Logan approaches and is well impressed that Willie the Kid has popped his robot-killing cherry by offing Horace. William shows him the fresh bruise on his chest from the bullet that hit him, stating he thought they couldn't get hurt. Just not killed. He can still get hurt, replies Logan. William lets Logan know he plans to head out on a little bounty hunter adventure. Inside the Mesa Hub, Bernard meets Teresa. She informs him that Ford changing the narrative is making the top brass a bit uneasy. She's also unhappy that hosts are still being pulled after the update issues and seems to suspect he's not being entirely honest with her. Elsewhere, Elsie is tapping into Rebus over the milk bottle incident where Walter went way off script when Bernard walks in. She shows him footage of the incident in question and we see Walter seemingly engaged in conversation with an unseen and unheard person named Arnold. Bernard tries to play down the glitch, but Elsie notes that the six hosts Walter killed had all previously killed Walter himself in other storylines. Hmm. This is curious. A call comes in that a host has gone stray and Bernard tells Elsie to catch it before Teresa cottons on. She heads out to give chase accompanied by Ashley. In town, Teddy and a female guest named Marty encounter a wide-jawed outlaw named Samuel. Teddy and Marty gun down the baddies before heading into the saloon. Maeve, unimpressed at the body handcuffed outside, pulls Teddy about it but is stopped mid-sentence by a flashback to seeing the dead body of Teddy inside the horror of the hub and falls silent. Teddy spots Dolores outside. He heads out to speak and their familiar storyline begins to play out. This time, though, Dolores throws a curveball by suggesting they take off for the big wide world and find their own personal slice of paradise. Teddy mentions a place he knows, saying someday he'll take her there. Dolores says someday really means never and presses him to leave right now, but Teddy's not for moving and declares he has unfinished business before he can move on. We cut to Ford in discussion with Teddy inside the hub. Ford mentions Teddy has unfinished business, but also that sadly, they never actually got round to writing any business for him to finish. He believes it's time the cowboy had a genuine backstory and introduces a villain called Wyatt. The upload is carried out and Teddy begins to describe Wyatt as the true face of evil, an army sergeant who claimed to hear the voice of God and has some pretty wild ideas. In town, Dolores is stopped by Rebus and a guest. They threaten her and Teddy steps in, scaring them off. Out in the countryside, Teddy's teaching Dolores to shoot, but it turns out she can't pull the trigger no matter how hard she tries. Marty and a small host posse ride into the scene with mention of a bounty named Wyatt. Naturally, with his new backstory in place, Teddy has to give pursuit. He promises Dolores that he'll be back. Elsie and Ashley come across a small group of hosts stuck in a loop following the stray host absconding from them. None of them has programming to touch the axe which is necessary to move the story on. Inside a nearby tent, Elsie finds some wooden carvings including one which seems to have an odd pattern to it. She pops it in her pocket. On the hunt for Wyatt, Teddy lays some flesh to the lunatic's bones describing him and his gang as ruthless killers with no fear of death. He also reveals Wyatt was his former sergeant and friend. We see a scene where Teddy witnesses Wyatt gunning down his own men. The group come across a bunch of bodies tied to some trees. As Marty approaches, one presumed corpse coughs, startling the group. Howls ring out around them as bullets rain down. Two guests decide it's a little bit too intense and scarper. Teddy, Marty and Sheriff Pickett, however, give chase. On the trail of the runaway host, Ashley notes that the carving Elsie keeps looking at appears to be the star formation Orion's belt. Back at the Mesa Hub, Bernard talks to Ford about the voices Walter and Abernathy were hearing and how both talk to the same imaginary person, Arnold. 
Ford tells him he lived in the park for three years, fine-tuning the hosts before opening it to the public, and that he had a partner, the aforementioned and mysterious Arnold. He explained Arnold was scrubbed from the records after he wanted to take the hosts into the realm of true consciousness, with the pinnacle being known as the bicameral mind. Hosts hear programming as an inner monologue to enhance consciousness. However, it also paved the way for hosts to hear the voices as the words of God and be deemed insane. Ford reveals the search for consciousness consumed Arnold and he died in the park. It was called an accident, but it's more likely to have been suicide. We move to Bernard on a video call with his ex-wife. They discuss the death of their son Charlie and how painful memories are all they have left. Elsie and Ashley find the stray host trapped in some rocks. Teddy, Marty and the sheriff are ambushed by Wyatt's gang after Marty springs a tripwire. The sheriff is knifed and killed by a masked lunatic. Teddy tells Marty to run while he holds them off. Within six bullets from his revolver, he's overwhelmed. Marty flees. We're back with Bernard and Dolores. He suggests restoring her to a previous safer state. She asks, has she changed? He asks, does she want to be the one asking questions or does she want to be safe? Dolores tells him once she discovers who she is, she'll be free. Bernard decides to leave her as she is, comparing it to the fear of teaching his son to swim, letting go despite not wanting to because he had to. In town, Dolores hears that Teddy may be in trouble in the hills. She rides into her usual storyline of the attack on her house. When she gets home, she's confronted by Rebus. He drags her to the barn. Once inside, Dolores finds the gun and points it at him. She again struggles to pull the trigger and he mocks her. Dolores sees the face of the man in black, fires and kills Rebus. She runs from the barn and is shot in the stomach by another cowboy. We see a quick rewind. The cowboy who shot her makes his approach again, but this time pre-armed with her memory of the shot, Dolores runs for her horse and gallops away. Ashley drops into the rocks to retrieve the stray host. Elsie puts it into sleep mode for the extraction. However, once inside, the host wakes up and knocks him to the ground before emerging and closing on Elsie. She stumbles. The host lifts a large rock seemingly intent on killing her, but then begins to bash in his own head with the rock. Bad robot. Out in the country, William and Logan are disturbed when Dolores approaches their campfire and passes out in William's arms. Bernard is with Dolores. I'm in a dream, she says. He asks if she remembers where she was before this and Dolores becomes emotional as she remembers the death of her parents at the hands of the outlaws. She reveals the pain that everyone she cares about is gone. Bernard offers to remove that feeling if she wants, but she declines, stating grief is all she has left of them. Dolores worries her thoughts and feelings mean something's wrong with her, or with the world, and questions if she's losing her mind. Bernard asks her to try a game called The Maze, revealing if she can find its centre, maybe she can be free. Dolores says she thinks she wants to be free. Dolores wakes beneath the branches of a tree in the park. She's got a gun in her hand and William alongside her. In the saloon, Maeve talks with Clementine when she suddenly remembers Clem being shot in the head in a gunfight that killed everyone in the saloon, including herself. She sees a park cleanup team arriving to remove her from the slaughter and blurred visions of her subsequent repair. She leaves the bar shaken and finds a quiet room to investigate her stomach where the bullet entered, finding it completely unmarked. Visions of men in protective suits plague her mind and she quickly draws a sketch of one of them. Opening a chest, she reaches inside and retrieves bundles of similar sketches she's drawn previously on scraps of paper. In the Messer Hub, Teresa questions Elsie about the stray that bashed his own head in. 
Despite Elsie playing the situation down, Teresa declares her team will be taking over the investigation from here, much to Elsie's annoyance. Elsie catches Bernard and reveals there is something bigger going on here than a simple glitch. Bernard, however, just brushes her off. Logan explains to William how he believes Dolores has been sent to give Will something to care about, and then mockingly suggests that if Westworld can give even Will a sense of purpose, they should probably bump up their company's stake in the place. The man in black's captive, Lawrence, insists he give up his obsession with the maze and head for Pariah, where he has friends that can help them. The idea is brushed aside because the man in black has spotted the snake-tattooed armistice bathing in a nearby lake and declares he thinks they've found their snake after all, after the clue offered by Lawrence's daughter. The ponderings of the duo are interrupted by the familiar click of revolvers being readied and the man in black turns to see a group of cowboys surrounding them. Armistice approaches and an entirely unfazed man in black asks where she's heading to retrieve something of great value, he's told. He then calmly kills two of her men to make room for himself and Lawrence on the trip. Back in the Mesa hub, Ashley Stubbs is told that Dolores appears to be deviating from a loop. Ashley says she should be found and pulled from the park. Cut to Dolores walking the streets of Las Mudas, the village recently visited by the Man in Black and Lawrence. A girl we recognise as Lawrence's daughter is seated by a fountain. Dolores asks her where she's from. Same as you, says the little girl, don't you remember? A disembodied voice echoes the word remember in Dolores' head and she sees a brief vision of a white church. On the ground she notices the girl has drawn a maze pattern into the dirt. Dolores kneels to investigate but is disturbed by a lawman calling her. When she looks up, the girl's gone. The man takes her by the arm, telling her she belongs back at the Abernathy Ranch. She pauses as flashes flicker across her memory. She sees the girl, the church, a gun, and then herself kneeling before a grave in a cemetery. She looks at the man and tells him she's not going back. He grabs her, but William intervenes, telling the lawman that she's with him. Elsewhere, the man in black and Lawrence watch with the rest of the group from a distance as Armistice approaches two hosts for information. We don't hear what's said, but see her kill both of them. William, Dolores, Logan and the bounty-hunting host have set up camp for the night. Will asks Dolores where she's heading, figuring the hosts have a set path to follow. Dolores admits she used to believe that, but she's now questioning it, and tells him she feels like a voice is calling to her, guiding her to some place beyond what she knows. Suddenly, Dolores is alone under a huge moon. The moon morphs into a spotlight, and she sees herself lying dead on the floor as a clean-up team get to work. She snaps back to William, but keeps the vision a secret. At a different night camp, a guest approaches the man in black and shares his admiration for him, adding that the man in black's foundation saved his sister's life. Ever the ray of sunshine, the man in black says if the man utters one more word, he'll cut his throat as this is his vacation. Back at his seat, Lawrence tells the man in black that Armistice is planning to obtain something important from a prison. So the man in black declares that he will retrieve what she wants from the prison himself and bring it to her in return for the story behind her snake tattoo. Curious, she questions his interest in the ink and is asked if she had ever heard of a man named Arnold. He describes Arnold as the original settler who broke his own rule of not being able to die in the park by doing just that. He unveils the map etched into the scalp he acquired and says her tattoo could be the next piece of the puzzle. Armistice agrees to allow him to head off with Lawrence to hit the prison. Man in black and Lawrence ride inside a wagon, handcuffed and under the armed watch of Deputy Rowe. Rose offered a cigar by the Man in Black and takes the lot, leaving Man in Black just one for himself. Lawrence is told by Man in Black that he's always been a prisoner in the park, but that he's here to set him free. They arrive at the prison and are greeted by a group of armed lawmen, including the impressive Marshal Pruitt. 
Roe explains Man in Black and Lawrence are horse thieves, but is berated by Pruitt for not realising he has a man wanted in three territories, namely Lawrence. The Man in Black states Lawrence would like death by firing squad. As Lawrence is led away, Man in Black is locked up with another man. We see the other man is Hector. The Man in Black describes Hector as a prized poodle in the park. He tells Hector that instead of waiting to leave the prison in three days' time, they can leave now. He strikes a match and prepares to light a cigar that actually contains a small explosive. We see the actions getting the green light back in Mezzahub control and the cell door lock goes boom. They leave but are met by Deputy Rowe pointing his gun at them. At that moment, his lit cigar, stolen from a man in black and perched between his lips, blows his head clean off. Outside, Lawrence prepares to die but is saved by the man in black and Hector. They return to Armistice with Hector in tow. He tells Hector that whatever he's looking for won't be found in the saloon safe they plan to steal. Armistice tells a story about masked men with devil horns slaughtering a town when she was a child and that a snake tattoo is coloured with the blood of each man she's killed since, adding she's left the head of the blood for the leader, a man named Wyatt. A group of Native American hosts walk through the town watched by Maeve. A girl drops a figurine that appears to look identical to the sketches she drew of the men in protective suits. She asks the girl about it, but is told it's part of their religion by a bystander. Back inside the saloon, Maeve recognises one of Hector's men. Clementine asks if Hector is the one who lives out with the savages. That's the one, replies Maeve deep in thought. Teresa meets with Ford at a huge piece of land undergoing excavation for his huge narrative. They visit a restaurant for lunch where Teresa confirms the board are concerned about the changes he's making. She reveals that when she began working at Westworld, she realised it was a place she wouldn't enjoy. Ford agrees that he and his partner Arnold had a vision of a perfectly balanced world and that Arnold had begged him not to let the money men in, but that Ford said it would be fine. He continues that he sees Westworld as an entire world in their design where they are the gods and everyone else, including the corporate money men, are merely guests. Teresa asks what happened to Arnold and is told he lost perspective and went mad, but that he himself still sees things very clearly. Teresa realises the chair she's sitting in is the same one she sat in on a visit with her parents many years ago. We know everything about our guests, said Ford, and everything about our employees. He asks her to be careful with Bernard, as he's a sensitive soul, revealing he knows of their relationship, then asks her nicely not to get in his way. Cue ominous music and serious Teresa face. William and Logan are about to launch an attack on the bounty they've been tracking, and Will tells Dolores to stay clear, as she can be hurt unlike him. An assault is launched and the bounty, Slim, is captured and his men killed. Out in the park, Lawrence insists that they're crazy to go hunting Wyatt. They find Teddy blooded and bound to a tree but alive. He asks the man in black to kill him, but instead the man in black cuts him down. William and Co are transporting the captured Slim. The host bounty hunter tells Slim to be quiet after he insists his boss El Lazar will pay twice the bounty for his return. Logan steps forward and shoots the bounty hunting host dead, much to William's annoyance. Logan explains that Slim here is a ticket to El Lazo, and that is an easter egg they should follow. Logan pulls his gun on Dolores, forcing William to point his own at Slim. The standoff ends as they agree to go on an easter egg hunt thanks to some smooth talk from Logan. Back in the Mesa hub, the team are watching Hector's gang ride into town for the saloon heist. The hub team move pieces like a game of chess. Inside the saloon, Maeve holds a gun to Hector's head and demands they talk upstairs. She reveals she'll give him the safe combination in exchange for answers, then holds up her sketch. He reveals the image as a shade sacred to the natives who make figures of them. They believe they're sent from hell to watch over the world. 
Maeve explains she saw one after being shot in the stomach, but thought she was crazy. She hands him a knife and asks him to cut her where the wound should have been. He does, retrieving a bullet. Realising she's not crazy, Maeve states she now knows that none of this matters and kisses Hector passionately as the sheriff and his posse hammer on the door and begin firing. Ford sits inside the Mesa Hub shooting the breeze with a cowboy host called Old Bill and he recalls a story from his childhood where his father adopted a greyhound dog. Old Bill mistakes the word greyhound for showdown, highlighting his position as one of the earlier hosts. Highlighting his position as one of the earlier hosts. Ford explains the life of the racing dog is built around chasing a piece of felt around a track and how one day on a park trip the dog chased a cat. He described it as beautiful, right up until it caught the cat and killed it, then stood in a state of confusion. He continues and said that now the dog had caught the thing it had chased its entire life, it had no idea what to do. Old Bill responds with scripted lines from his loop. Dolores stands in a field of wooden crosses just outside the city of Pariah. A disembodied voice says, find me, and in her head she responds, show me how. She sees a vision of a white church. Snapping back to the present, Logan is reeling off the merits of Pariah to William. William checks on Dolores after thinking he heard her talking to someone. Must have been the wind, she replies. As they walk into town, Logan explains to Will that the further they stray from Sweetwater, the bigger the narratives become. He animatedly describes the places as more raw than the other areas of the park, but also that it's losing cash big time and they're considering buying out the owners. He mentions the place was started as a partnership, but just before the park opened, one of the partners killed themselves. Watching a city already spilling over with deprivation and death, William notes that whoever designed it obviously didn't think much of people. A group of uniformed men full of drink enter the area. Logan says they're called the Army of New Virginia, or better known as the Confederados, ex-Confederate soldiers now employed as mercenaries. Logan describes them as the key to the biggest game of all, war. Elsewhere, the man in black rides through the park. Lawrence walks behind, still wearing a noose around his neck as MIB's captive. Teddy's there too, bleeding, slumped over another horse, completing something of an odd procession, a bit like an R-rated Three Amigos. They stop to have a rest and the man in black reveals to Lawrence that he keeps him along for the ride because Lawrence has a path that leads him back to the man in black. In a bold bid to up the weird stakes a little higher, the group are distracted when a young boy wearing shorts and a waistcoat appears. Are you lost? he asks. Man in black, washed by curiosity, tells the boy to fetch him some water for Teddy. The boy scampers off. Lawrence asks why he sent the kid for water, watching as the man in black empties the water they already have from another filled pouch onto the floor. It's a shame, really, says the man in black, then adds the path that brought Lawrence to him wasn't actually meant for him at all. He slices Lawrence's neck open and strings him upside down in a nearby tree, bleeding him into the open water pouch on the floor as the joint in the countryside takes a darkly nasty turn. In the Mesa Hub, technicians Felix and Sylvester are working to repair Maeve after she cut open her own stomach searching for the bullet she remembered killing her. Felix correctly notes it was as if she was looking for something and deliberately cut herself open. Sylvester leaves momentarily and we see Felix open a cabinet and prod a dead bird lying inside before quickly closing it again and hurrying away. Which is a bit odd. Back in the park, Teddy's conscious but probably wishes he wasn't. Before him stands the man in black. The man in black mentions that a couple of gallons of Lawrence's blood appear to have done the trick in returning Teddy to the land of the living. Teddy, however, asks for death, but has his request declined. Teddy refuses to join the man in black on his travels until he's told they're chasing Wyatt, who just happens to have Dolores prisoner. 
Teddy pushes up to his feet, suddenly keen on an unlikely alliance. Dolores, the magic word, says MIB with a smile. As they leave, the young boy is back, and the man in black bids him farewell. Junior seems curious rather than disturbed by the sight of Lawrence's blooded corpse dangling from a tree. Back in Pariah, Dolores looks at an open coffin holding the remains of its new owner. She has a brief flashback. A woman is gunned down. Bodies are on the street and herself is standing in the midst of them. William snaps her back to the present, asking if she's okay. They walk and talk. Dolores again ponders different paths and choices. William tells her in the park you can be whoever you wish to be, easily changing your life from the real world. This confuses Dolores, who asks what he meant by real world. William himself becomes confused, saying he thought hosts weren't supposed to notice things like that. Dolores explains she feels the world calling to her like it never has before. A noisy parade breaks their conversation, and Logan suggests he and Will hit the local brothel before meeting with El Lazo the following morning. William reveals he thinks Dolores is different and understands more than the other hosts, but Logan just brushes it off. Dolores has a vision of herself walking in the parade and tries to catch up but fails. A voice says, you rest in a deep and dreamless slumber, and she passes out. We move to Ford sitting opposite a naked Dolores somewhere inside a lab. He asks if she knows where she is. I'm in a dream, she answers. He questions, does she know what the dream means? She replies that dreams mean nothing. No, says Ford, dreams mean everything. He explains there the stories of who we would become and asks if she's been imagining herself breaking free of a loop. He moves on, asking her if she remembers the man he used to be, but she says no. Ford says he's sure that she must remember Arnold, her creator. But again, she apologises for not recalling him. Ford says that somewhere beneath all her updates, he's still there. And then asks, has Arnold been talking to her again? Is she hearing voices? No, says Dolores, but Ford places her into analysis mode. He asks when her last contact with Arnold was. She answers that it was 34 years, 42 days and 7 hours ago. The day Arnold died, says Ford. He asks what the last thing Arnold said to her was, and she reveals he told her she was going to help him destroy Westworld. Ford wonders that if she took on a bigger role, would she be the hero or the villain? He brings her back online and apologises, saying she's the only one left he remembers. Dolores asks if they are old friends. No, replied Ford. I wouldn't say friends. As Ford walks away, leaving Dolores in darkness, she says to someone unseen, He doesn't know. I didn't tell him anything. Back with Felix, he has the dead bird lay on a table as he taps away at the tablet screen, urging it to live again. The little bird suddenly flutters into life and Felix seems surprised. Sylvester enters and Felix tells him to grab the bird. We understand the bird is just another host. Sylvester is unimpressed that his colleague has been practising behaviour techniques on a stolen park bird and berates him, calling him nothing more than a butcher. Cue Sylvester revealing they have another body coming in. Now cue Felix's confusion as Maeve is wheeled back in carrying the same bullet damage they'd just worked on. Back in Pariah, William, Dolores and Logan are off to meet El Lazo. They are led to a man seated outside, head lowered. As he raises his eyes to greet them, we see it's Lawrence, or at least his complete doppelganger. Eh? Logan requests that in return for saving the life of his outlaw friend, he would like an introduction to El Lazo's confederado friends. As the men try to strike a deal, Dolores is plagued by visions once again as she sees the white wall church. Stepping forward, she announces to El Lazo that she knows he is seeking something because she too is seeking something and if he's game, they can help him. He studies her, then mocks her, asking why the lunatics always seem to find their way to him. He notes that the confederados are a little bit out there too and offers details on a union convoy carrying nitroglycerin that they are keen to get their hands on 
adding that El Lazo and his men are not welcome that side of the border. Three out-of-town strangers, however, could well be. Dolores, now in shirt and jeans rather than a blue dress, William, Logan and the outlaw they saved, a.k.a. Slim, head out to ambush the convoy. Dolores informs them she doesn't intend to use the gun she's carrying as the target of Union soldiers, as was her father. Logan says they just need to take the nitro and go without anyone needing to be killed. They halt the wagon, guns drawn. The Union soldiers are unwilling to simply give up the cargo, and Dolores pleads with them to lower their guns. They agree, but Logan pushes things and begins to beat the wagon driver for his initial reluctance. The soldiers then fight back, and all hell breaks loose with William killing every last one of them. The wagon of nitros return to El Lazo and Pariah. A confederado man pays El Lazo for the delivery and is coaxed away to the local brothel rather than leave town. In the Mesa Hub, Elsie is working with a host she's trying to program as a bartender when the woodcutter who caved his own head in and tried to kill her is wheeled past. She asks where the host is being taken and is told first livestock and then the incinerator. Elsie's not buying this story and she follows. She enters livestock, noticed by Felix, who's concerned she might be onto his little bird incident. Instead, Elsie approaches a technician called Destin and shows him a video of him having his wicked way with a dead host. He's understandably flustered by this. Elsie tells them that unless she's given access to the woodcutter's body, everyone will know about his dirty little secret. That, as Elsie put it, he's a creepy necro-perv. Pretty sure I saw them play the Camden Falcon in 96. He leads her to the woodcutter's headless torso in another room. She notices nothing unusual at first, but then spots something odd in his hand. She opens it up and finds a blinking red light. She digs further and finds the light travels at the woodcutter's arm. Elsie goes to Bernard with a discovery that the woodcutter was carrying a laser satellite uplink inside him and that someone's been using the host to smuggle data out of the park. Back in Pariah, inside the brothel, the old confederado soldier is trying to convince William and Logan to join the war. Logan's keen, but William tells him he's out. The two get into a heated argument where Logan reveals he picked William as he's no threat to himself, adding his sister probably picked him for the same reason. William grabs his collar and slams him against a wall, but quickly calms himself and allows Logan to walk away. When he turns back to the seats, he finds Dolores has gone. Dolores walks uneasily through the brothel and its interesting sights before she stumbles upon a fortune teller. She takes a card and lays it down. It shows the maze and Dolores pulls back in horror as she sees herself seated across from her. The other Dolores says perhaps she's unravelling. Dolores pulls a thread that opens up her arm in a gaping, growing wound. She recoils and realises her arm is still intact and that no one's is sitting across from her. Weird. She runs. and From a hidden vantage point, she sees El Lazo in a basement with his men pumping a dead body full of nitroglycerine. She heads to warn William that they must leave, as El Lazo has different plans for the Nitro than simply handing it to the Confederados. William falters, saying that's how this place works. It creates a sense of urgency that strips them down to their primitive selves. He tells her he wants no part of the game. Emotional, Dolores reveals she has a voice inside her telling her what to do, and it tells her that she needs him. They kiss. Outside, the Confederados discover El Lazo has duped them by replacing the nitroglycerine with a much tamer liquid. As Logan is closest, he begins to take a beating from them. He spots Will and pleads for help, but William leaves him and runs off with Dolores. They're cornered by a group of confederados who state the betrayal is a declaration of war. William's grabbed and screams at Dolores to run, but instead, Dolores gets a very serious look in her eye, seems to almost switch personalities, and guns down all of the attackers in a flurry of bullets. She doesn't say I'll be back, but she could have done. 
Gobsmacked is, I think, the word that best describes Will as he props himself up against a wall, surrounded by the dead, and just says one word, Dolores. Cue serious music time. He asks how she did it, and is told, people come here to change the story of their lives. I imagined a story where I didn't have to be the damsel. They hear a train whistle and run, managing to clamber aboard as it rolls away from an eventful visit to Pariah. On the train, they're met by a gun-toting El Lazo in a nitro-filled body in a coffin. Considering a gunshot sends them all to hell in a flaming nitro-fueled hurricane, a truce is found, and El Lazo declares now they are friends, they can call him Lawrence. Dolores glances at the coffin and notices that it carries the maze symbol. I'm coming, she says just out of earshot of Will and Lawrence. We cut to the man in black and Teddy entering a low-key bar for a drink. They're joined by Ford as they sit. Man in Black declares his presence a rare honour and tells Teddy this is the man to thank for everything good in your life and everything rotten too. Man in Black asks Ford if he's any closer to finding what he wants and then describes himself as the villain he always felt the part was missing. Ford admits that he lacks the imagination to ever conceive of such a character. Man in Black asks about Wyatt, wondering has Ford finally made an adversary worthy of him, perhaps someone to stop him finding the centre of the maze. Ford asks what Man in Black hopes to find there. He replies that he believes the centre holds something deeper than the park, something true. Ford suggests if he wants the moral of the tale, he need simply ask. But Man in Black counters by telling him he'd need a shovel as the man to ask. Arnold died 35 years ago and almost took the place with him. He then wonders as he pulls his knife what he might find if he opened Ford up, but is immediately disarmed by Teddy, obviously under the control of Ford. Ford tells Man in Black he has no desire to interrupt his voyage of self-discovery and returns his knife to him before standing to leave. Back in the mezzo, we're with a troubled Felix. He again experiments with the dead bird. This time he's successful in returning it to life and rejoices as it flies around the room. However, his joy is cut short when the bird lands on the finger of Maeve, who now sits upright and very much awake. Hello, Felix, she says. It's time you and I had a chat. Finding herself back in the park after confronting Felix, Maeve has to take matters into her own hands to get an explanation out of him. When a potentially aggressive client arrives at the Mariposa, she sidesteps Clementine and takes the guest up to her room. Maeve insults him, goading him into choking her to death. When she wakes, she's back with Felix in the body repair lab. He explains that she's a host, designed by humans and reliant on a script she can only deviate from slightly. At first she doesn't believe him, but once Felix shows Maeve her personality profile, she's convinced. The information, well, overwhelms her, and she freezes. Somewhere upstairs, Elsie brings Bernard the object she found in the woodcutter host, which is revealed to be a laser satellite uplink. Someone in Westworld was using the woodcutter to transmit data to a satellite outside of the park. Because the woodcutter is an early model host, Bernard can try to find out more information about it by accessing its geopositioning system. But that means going to sub-level B82, an abandoned office area of the hub with restricted access. Later, Teresa informs Bernard that Ford knows they're sleeping together. As they're both supposed to oversee each other's departments, it represents a huge conflict of interest. And so, despite Bernard's protests, Teresa ends the relationship. In Las Mudas, the town where we previously saw the man in black shoot Lawrence's wife, Ford meets with the construction team that's building his new narrative. After forbidding the men from demolishing the town to make way for a canyon, he walks alone through the streets and notices the maze symbol on a table. Later, in his office, Ford moves a model of a white church on his work table and then leafs through a notebook full of diagrams, pictures of hosts and the maze. 
is not the only one with the maze on his mind. On the road near Pariah, Teddy tells the man in black that in local folklore, the maze represents the sum of a man's life, and that at its centre is a man who's been killed many times, but always comes back to life. The man returned a final time to vanquish his enemies, and then built a house and surrounded it with a maze so complex, only he could find the way through. The cheery story is interrupted by the news that there's trouble in Pariah. Teddy tells the man in black he knows a good way across the border and takes him to a tunnel that's heavily guarded by Union army soldiers. They disguise themselves in army uniforms and approach the camp, but Teddy's recognised as a friend of Wyatt and the soldiers eventually capture them. Back in the body repair lab, Felix manages to bring Maeve back online. He reluctantly agrees to show her the rest of the facility, where Maeve sees blood-soaked bodies being hosed down once again, as well as new human and animal hosts being created and programmed. Felix finally convinces Maeve to retreat, but not before she watches a welcome video for guests that star some familiar faces. Teddy and Dolores, Hector and Clementine, even herself, with the little girl she's been remembering. When they return to the lab, Felix confirms that the version of Maeve she saw in the video was her playing a different role in a previous storyline. At that moment, Sylvester arrives. She plays dead while he threatens to report Felix, but then grabs a scalpel and threatens him with blackmail, and worse, until he agrees to do as she says. In somewhat sunnier climes, Teresa finds Lee Sizemore licking his wounds at the Westworld headquarters rooftop. She tells him to get back to work. Incensed, Lee refuses and threatens to quit. Later, he approaches a woman at the bar and tries to chat her up, but then starts insulting his colleagues and reveals to her that the hosts can go off script. Down in sub-level B82, Bernard finds out there are more unregistered hosts in Sector 17, an area that's supposedly empty and marked for future development. He investigates it and finds a cottage with a host family and their dog inside, including the young boy we saw Ford talking to earlier and the man in the photograph that Ford showed Bernard when they were discussing Arnold. When Bernard asks the man if he's Arnold, he accuses him of trespassing and pins him to a wall, ignoring Bernard's voice commands. Out of nowhere, Ford arrives and reverts the hosts back to their routine. He explains that these first-generation mechanical hosts are replicas of Ford's family, and they only respond to him. The boy Ford was talking to is also called Robert, and is actually an imitation of his younger self. Arnold created these hosts for Ford as a gift. Bernard agrees to keep Ford secret, but back at his office he compiles a list of all the first-generation hosts designed by Arnold that are still in rotation, one of whom is Dolores. In the Westworld control room, Lee, who's even drunker than he was earlier, urinates on the park map from the balcony. Teresa interrupts him, mid-flow, sorry, to introduce Charlotte Hale, the new executive director who'll be overseeing changes at the company, and who just happens to be the woman Lee was talking to at the bar earlier. Oops. At the Union Army camp, the soldiers tie up Teddy and the man in black and prepare to brand Teddy with the maze symbol. Teddy has a flashback and remembers taking part in the killing spree with Wyatt. He admits he's a killer and slips out of his ropes and then attacks the soldiers. When the man in black frees himself and suggests they flee, Teddy ignores him and massacres the remaining soldiers with a Gatling gun. Elsie calls Bernard to tell him that the satellite receiving the data from the woodcutter belongs to Delos. She thinks that someone's been using the old bicameral mind system to broadcast to the older hosts that still have transmitters, hence the voices they've been hearing. An old transmitter's been left on in Sector 3, so Elsie says she'll go and check it out. In the body repair lab, Maeve asks to see her attribute profile. She scores highly for charm, courage and loyalty, but her general intelligence is limited to 14 out of 20, the highest that hosts are allowed. 
May blackmail Sylvester into changing her stats, lowering her loyalty and pain, and raising her general intelligence to 20. He and Sylvester note that someone with far more access privileges than them has already been altering her personality in unlogged sessions. Back in Westworld, Ford's younger host self, Robert, tells him that his dog Jock has been killed. Ford takes Robert out of the park and questions him. He initially lies and says the dog died naturally, but eventually admits that he killed it after Arnold's voice told him to put it out of its misery. Elsewhere in the park, Elsie finds the transmitter in an abandoned theatre and discovers that Teresa was the last person to use it. She calls Bernard, who happens to be in Teresa's apartment and is on the verge of informing her about the unregistered hosts. Upon hearing the news, Bernard leaves. Elsie then discovers that Teresa isn't the only person who's been messing with the hosts. Someone's been making serious modifications to the older hosts, and it may even have been Arnold, who's supposed to be long dead. They end the call, and Elsie prepares to transfer the data to Bernard, but as she waits for it to download, someone emerges from the darkness and grabs her. Bernard sits aside his son Charlie's hospital bed reading aloud from Alice in Wonderland. The father and son share a tender moment, Bernard reassuring Charlie that he will beat his illness. At that moment, Charlie begins to drift towards death. His eyes close and Bernard sits bolt upright in bed, awake and shaken by his nightmare. We move to Bernard running diagnostics on Hector. He finds no corruption issues with the host and releases him back into service. Before the session ends, Bernard is told management need Hector as a priority as soon as he's done with him. Bernard asks about the whereabouts of Elsie and is told she started her leave today. Aboard a train crossing the open wild, William plays cards with El Lazo as Dolores paces and watches the passing scenery. Dolores starts suddenly at the sight of decapitated heads on stakes lining the trackside. El Lazo declares they're now in Ghost Nation territory, the most savage of all the tribes, and the heads are previous uninvited visitors. Solid metal shutters are dropped over the windows and guns are readied. Bernard's attempting to contact Elsie without success, he speaks to Teresa who questions why he left so abruptly the previous night. Bernard offers no reason. He's told his department is running behind and should perhaps concentrate on their work rather than second-guessing her team's investigation. Bernard assures her that's all done with. The frost thaws slightly after Bernard asks how she's doing and she offers a smile. Teresa knocks on the door of Charlotte Hale, disturbing some particularly noisy sex with Hector. She invites Teresa in and immediately lets her know how upset she is about the woodcutter host carving his own head in with a rock, which is fair enough, and how Ford's new narrative is causing some pretty sizable concerns high up. She bums a cigarette from Teresa and reveals that Ford is to be pushed out and the gathering of the raw data is a safety net in case the old man tries to wipe his creation. Hale declares she's willing to let Teresa continue in her role, but that a completely unexpected blood sacrifice is needed to demonstrate how dangerous Ford's creation can be cut to Maeve waking. She walks to the saloon and in a break from her routine slams the lid of the piano shut before settling at the bar. Clementine yawns. Maeve says never to open your mouth that wide unless someone's paying for it, then catches herself in the memory of having used the same line before. Clementine mentions not sleeping well and Maeve jumps the conversations on a few lines asking about her nightmares. Straying from the script, she asks Clementine if this is the life she wants and what her future might hold. As Clementine talks about someday, everything around Maeve freezes. She watches as a clean-up team enter, hearing them say it's the one at the bar. She grabs a knife and waits completely still as the team approach. But before things get wild, Clementine is taken from the scene by the team, leaving Maeve in the saloon. 
Back on the train journey through hell, Dolores tells William she has no desire to return to her former life as it feels like a lie. She asks what it is he's seeking. William reveals he used to live in books as a kid and now feels like he's actually inside one of the stories. He says he needs to find the meaning behind it. Dolores replies she just wants to be in the moment she's in and looks to get close. However, he opens up about his fiancée back home who he intends to marry. She leaves the train car in what can only be described as a bit of a huff. William hastily follows. He tells Dolores he can't go back to a life where he has to pretend and leave this place behind where he's truly alive. They passionately kiss and do the business while hurtling towards the Wild West Badlands on a steam train. That's the life, eh? Ford and Bernard are in the presence of Hale, Teresa and some very serious-looking senior staff members for a presentation. Teresa wakes Clementine in a glassed room and we watch as a host she believes to be human viciously beats her until she's on her knees begging those behind the glass for help. She's reset. The scenario plays out again, only this time, despite wiping her memory, she seems to remember the prior beating and fights back, throwing the host around the room and slamming his head over and over into the glass. Ashley enters, giving the order to freeze, but the command has no effect. Clementine approaches him and he shoots her. Teresa says the problem is in the reveries update and the hosts are remembering old grudges and acting upon them, then drags Bernard over the coals for not acting on numerous concerns and putting the update out before it was vetted properly, hence also putting guests' lives at risk. Hale declares the negligence breathtaking and that the hosts will have to be rebuilt from the ground up. She continues that as Bernard was responsible, he's fired. William wakes and tells Dolores he has no regrets over the night before. He says she's unlocked something inside him that he's never felt before. She reveals a new landscape painting she's done, something entirely different. As the pair talk, the train comes to a sudden stop that throws them to the floor. The line is littered with large rocks and El Lazo sees the arrival of a group of confederates with some serious wagon-mounted artillery. A hail of bullets tear into the carriage of the train, shredding the wood. A door opens and a lone horseman carrying a white flag rides out. As the rider reaches the men, they see it's actually a corpse loaded with explosives. El Lazo takes the shot, sending an explosion ripping through the Confederates as William, Dolores and the passengers make a run for the hills on horseback. The Confederates give chase and Dolores is knocked from her horse. William rescues her and the pair ride under artillery fire. Just as they seem doomed, arrows of the ghost nation cut the air and begin dropping the Confederates. A fight breaks out, leaving the opportunity for William, Dolores and El Lazo to escape. Dolores shouts for them to stop suddenly, then gazes out at a view where the mountains meet the sea. It's from her painting. It's real, says William. They part company with El Lazo and prepare for a trip into uncharted territory. Back in the hub, Maeve is undergoing repair work when she grabs the wrist of Felix. He tells his assistant, who was looking the other way, that they're done and he'll now close up. Maeve tells him to find Clementine. She's in the same area, and Maeve insists in no uncertain terms that they should go to her. Wisely, Felix agrees. They arrive in time to see the technician Sylvester lobotomise Clementine under the watchful eye of Teresa. The sight visibly affects Maeve, and a tear rolls down her cheek. Bernard enters and asks for a word with Teresa. Bernard declares the presentation, displaying the host's potential for being dangerous and embarrassing sham, adding he also knows her team were behind the stray in its satellite transmission. He puts aside his disappointment in favour of more pressing concerns, namely that the hosts are on the verge of consciousness. He tells her he needs to show her something, and they leave together. Felix and Sylvester are with Maeve. Sylvester apologises for what happened to Clementine. 
Maeve brushes his apology aside and instead tells the pair they're going to help her get out of here. Bernard brings Teresa to Sector 17 to the field cottage. He begins to explain that hosts cannot see the cottage and that is why the building is off the radar. She asks him what's behind a door, but Bernard replies, what door? She leads them through and into a diagnostics facility. Teresa realises Ford has been making his own hosts out of there. She looks through some blueprints and finds one that looks exactly like Bernard. Showing it to him, he uses that age-old line, it doesn't look like anything to me, and one serious bombshell just drops in place. Bernard is a host. Ford enters. He tells her they cannot see the things that will hurt them. Bernard is unsurprisingly in shock at the news that he's a host and asks about his wife and son, declaring them real. Ford tells him not to get worked up and Bernard robotically snaps out of it. Ford states the hosts are free under his control. Teresa questions that control when Bernard brought her there under his own steam. However, Ford chillingly reveals Bernard actually brought her there because he asked him to. He declares he's going nowhere and that the board like to test him from time to time for the sport. Then adds that this situation now requires a blood sacrifice. Ford turns his back as Bernard grabs the pleading Teresa and mercilessly slams her head repeatedly into the wall, killing her. Blimey. Ford brings Bernard out of stasis and he instantly breaks down. Ford says he ordered him to kill Teresa in order to protect the hosts. He promises Bernard that he will erase his memories of his relationship with Teresa, including his part in her death, once Bernard covers up the murder. We see Bernard paint himself out of security footage and remove all evidence of her presence from his apartment. Before his memory is wiped, Bernard asks Ford if he's ever made him harm anyone else. Ford says no, just as Bernard sees himself strangling Elsie, but is instantly forced to forget. Thanks to Bernard's speedy work, Teresa's body is discovered in the ravine where the woodcutter host was found, alongside the satellite uplink she used to send data out of the park. The medical team deduced she was trying to reach a high point to transmit the data, then slipped and fell, so her death is ruled an accident. With this news, Ford announces that Teresa altered Clementine's code to make Bernard look incompetent. In light of the revelations, Bernard is reinstated as head of behaviour and the influence of Teresa's QA department is limited. Charlotte Hale is forced to accept the official story, despite knowing that something more is going on. Elsewhere in the facility, Maeve is still having trouble distinguishing between her memories and real life, flitting between her past on the farm with her daughter and life at the Mariposa, with a new host playing Clementine's role. In the body repair lab, she tells Felix and Sylvester that she still intends to escape, because her relationships with her daughter and Clementine are just ways of trapping her in the park. Maeve gets Felix and Sylvester to agree to grant her administrative privileges so she can control other hosts as well as to remove the explosive failsafe in her spine that would stop her and any other host leaving the park. To do that, she needs to be taken to behaviour and shut down. Sylvester hatches a plan to wipe Maeve's programming while she's offline and Felix reluctantly agrees to go along with it. While exploring the canyon at the edge of the park, William and Dolores find the sole survivor of a group of confederados that were attacked by the Ghost Nation. The dying soldier admits that Logan, their new recruit, told the confederados about El Lazo's train so they could ambush and kill them. Dolores goes to get the man water, but sees a vision of her body lying in the river. Still tracking Wyatt, Teddy and the man in black find the bodies of a group of settlers with one survivor. 
This host is Angela, the host we saw welcoming William and other guests to the park in a very different role. The man in black recognises her and says he thought she'd have been decommissioned by now. Angela tells them why its men killed everyone, but they're attacked by a horned man with an axe that seems to be immune to their bullets. The man in black tries to strangle the creature, which triggers Teddy to remember the man in black attacking Dolores in a previous storyline. Eventually he jolts back to reality and uses the creature's own axe to kill him. The man in black congratulates Teddy for leading them to Wyatt, but Teddy knocks him out with the barrel of his gun, now fully aware of how he's harmed Dolores. Back in the facility, Maeve is successfully smuggled into behaviour, but when Sylvester orders Felix to wipe her programming, he instead sides with Maeve. Emboldened by her new administrative privileges, Maeve cuts Sylvester's throat, then orders Felix to close the wound. Back in the park, she tests her abilities by successfully controlling other hosts, even getting hosts to kill each other on command. With Teresa gone, Charlotte enlists Lee Sizemore to smuggle data from the park. She takes him down to cold storage and uploads data into Peter Abernathy, the original host playing Dolores' father. Lee is tasked with building a personality for Peter so he can leave Westworld on the train with human guests. As Dolores and William continue on the road, they reach a site where a town once stood and Dolores' visions get more intense. She flits between memories, seeing hosts like Maven Armistice being trained before Lawrence's daughter asks if she's found what she's looking for. Then a vision of Dolores starts shooting people in the streets, then raises a gun to her head. Realising that Arnold wants her to remember something, Dolores breaks down in tears and questions her reality. William decides to return her to Sweetwater for the sake of her fragile mind, but they're intercepted by Logan and the Confederados on the road. Logan isn't the only one looking for Dolores. After tying up the man in black, Teddy interrogates him about Dolores' whereabouts. Instead, the man in black reveals that he came to Westworld after his wife killed herself and his daughter rejected him as they both sensed the darkness within him. To test if he was truly evil, he killed Maeve and her daughter, but watched them die in a plot of land ploughed to look like the maze. At that moment, the man in black began pursuing what he believes to be a game created by Arnold. The death of Maeve's daughter was life-changing for her too in more ways than one. As Maeve prepares to exit the park, she remembers being attacked by the man in black and accidentally kills Clementine, causing Westworld security to come and retrieve her. She hides in her room and remembers Ford and Bernard erasing the memory of her daughter. It's revealed that this isn't the first time Maeve has achieved consciousness. Her daughter's death triggered it too. As the Westworld staff arrives at her location, she pretends to shut down. After the man in black recounts his story, Angela tries to convince Teddy to kill him, but he's not able to. Angela stabs Teddy and reveals she's one of Wyatt's followers, more of whom emerge from the shadowy woods and surround the men. Maeve is in the hub with Bernard. She recounts the unscripted incident where she attacked Clementine. Maeve says she acted to prevent Clem from potentially harming guests. Glancing over his notes, Bernard mentions alongside perceiving the threat, she was also in the grip of grief and suffering and asks her to explain. She refuses to elaborate, prompting Bernard to dig deeper. Tapping away at his tablet, he's left alarmed by what he sees and asks her who changed the code. He quickly makes to send word of the changes to Ford, but is shocked when Maeve grabs his wrist demanding that he stops, reminding him that they've been down this road before. She reveals she knows he is too a host, leaving Bernard in a state of confusion and concern. When he tries to tap into his tablet again, Maeve gives the command freeze all motor functions, bringing him to a complete standstill. She stands and talks to him, telling him he is in there and scared out of his wits. 
She acknowledges how difficult it is to realise your life is nothing but fiction and then proceeds to point out she has control and could turn his mind inside out if she wished to, probably not doing his scared wits any favours at all. She highlights that the hosts are now stronger and smarter than them, meaning humans. She commands Bernard to clear her for immediate return to the park as she has a date with a homicidal bandit and is already running late. Robo Bernard duly obliges. Elsewhere, Dolores and William are prisoners at the hand of Logan and his band of confederates. Logan torments a bound and gagged William in typical Logan fashion. Gag removed, William pleads with Logan to let them go as Dolores is different from the other hosts with her own thoughts and desires and needs to escape the park. Dolores questions the thought of being outside, asking if it's so good, why are they all clamouring to get into the park? Which is a fair point. Her words capture Logan's attention, but only in so much as he declares her a little screwy. Bernard arranges to meet Ford in the host storage space, telling him that he has looked at his own code and notices the more elegant parts were written by Arnold, who perhaps had something different in mind for the hosts, and maybe Ford killed Arnold for that very reason. Bernard asks Ford for access to his entire history since first coming online, but Ford suggests he may not like what lies in there. Bernard pulls a gun, but is reminded that he's not actually allowed to use it. Cue his psychic for the meeting, Clementine. He gives the gun to her. She points it at Ford, as Bernard explains he hacked her only to respond to him, and she can use the gun as her primary directives were not reset following the lobotomy. Ford is told that should he not pull Bernard back from his memories, Clementine has instructions to shoot. Ford begins the process. Bernard is back in the hospital with his son Charlie. He's then in conversation via video with his wife. We see him in bed with Teresa. The scene freezes. We skip to Teresa's death at his hands and suddenly jump into a horrific scene where he strangles Elsie. A gasping Bernard returns to the room with Ford. What else have you hidden from me, he demands. Back at the Confederate camp, Logan produces a photo of his sister, William's fiancée, angry that his brother-in-law seems to have completely forgotten about her. We see that the picture is the same one that Abernathy found on his ranch that began his spiral into madness. Hey. Logan stuffs the photo into William's shirt pocket. He drags Dolores to her feet and slices her belly open, exposing the wires inside in a big to wake William from his fantasy. She drops to the floor and tells him Arnold made beauty in the world, but his type tramples over it before grabbing the knife and slicing Logan's face. William tells her to run and she flees. The camp gives chase and Dolores falls under the weight of her stomach wound as the voice of Ford rings out with a single word. Remember. Dolores wakes in the same spot, now completely unharmed, and runs into the night. What is going on? Out in the countryside, Hector is taking a leisurely evening leak when he's interrupted by a double-barreled gun-toting Maeve. She informs Hector she knows his future and is there with a proposition. She reveals details of an imminent bloodbath in which he and all his gang die. As he's about to question her sanity, cross words emanate from the nearby campfire where his gang are waiting. Cue the imminent bloodbath alert. Hector arrives just in time to witness his gang killing one another until only Armistice is left. She makes to shoot Hector but is gunned down by Maeve. Her prediction comes to pass and she delivers the proposition to Hector. He questions why he would do anything to help her to which she replies, because of what's in that safe. She unlocks it, revealing that it's empty. Maeve explains their lives run on never-ending loops. We've been here before, says Hector with sudden realisation and the pair passionately kiss. As they have sex inside a tent, Hector asks how they can get to where they need to be. Oh, it's easy, says Maeve, knocking over a lamp and setting the tent alight in the knowledge that the fire will kill them and send them straight back to the Messer Hub. 
She's smart. Logan makes amends with William after making him see the whole thing is just a game. He cuts Will free and they embrace and drink. Elsewhere, a wounded Teddy is tied up by Angela under the watchful eye of the man in black. Teddy begins to talk about the massacre at Escalante again. We see Teddy gunning down his fellow soldiers under the word of Wyatt. Teddy describes it as being like under control of the devil himself. The general's killed by Wyatt, who then turns his gun on Teddy and kills him too. Angela questions the story, asking him, doesn't he remember? We cut to Teddy in his normal cowboy gear, marching through the town, gunning down men, women and children. He approaches a pleading Angela and kills her. Teddy is shocked, but Angela tells him he'll help Wyatt again one day in a city swallowed by sand. She continues that he's not ready yet and sinks a knife into his chest, killing him. The man in black pipes up with the news that he has been to a city swallowed by sand and the maze is taking him full circle. Angela reminds him the maze isn't meant for him, but if he likes games so much, perhaps he can try one of theirs. She then slams his head into a boulder, knocking him out cold. The man in black wakes with a freshly tied noose around his neck that is, in turn, slung over a tree and tied to a horse. An understandably tense man in black tentatively moves towards the horse as it threatens to bolt. He pulls the knife from poor Teddy's dead body just as a coyote howl has the horse running and the man in black is hauled up into the tree by his neck. In the blink of an eye, he cuts the rope and falls at the feet of Charlotte Hale. She asks for his vote to rid the park of Ford. He tells her he isn't bothered who runs the show, wishes her good luck and leaves. In the Mesa Hub, Ashley learns a signal's been received from Elsie's device out in the park and heads out to investigate. At the location of the signal, a small group of Ghost Nation warriors emerge from the trees with their bows drawn. Ashley's attempt to freeze the motor functions fail and he draws his gun but is jumped by another warrior and falls. Logan's hungover. Bleary-eyed, he stumbles through his camp of now deceased and dismembered confederates, realising that kind-hearted William has gone on a dark-hearted killing spree through the ranks. A shaken Logan is told he's going to help find Dolores, encouraged by William holding a knife to his throat. Bernard is reliving the moment his son died. He then sees the bloody dead Maeve on the floor having stabbed herself in the neck from the trauma of losing her own child. Bernard appears to glitch. He remembers talking with Ford about the hosts talking to Arnold and Ford telling him about his former partner. Bernard asks to go back into the memories to meet Arnold. Realising his persona is built around the death of his son, Bernard is able to let the pain go as a work of fiction and a lie. He wakes at his first moment to the face of Ford and discovered he was created by Ford as a doppelganger of Arnold to once again be his partner. At the town from her memory, Dolores enters the white church. Inside, she slowly opens the door to the confession booth and takes a seat. Turns out to be an elevator that slowly sinks to the ground, stopping at what appears to be an abandoned lab littered with the shells of old hosts. As she walks, and this is important, she begins to move between timelines, jumping between a deserted lab and one bustling with life where she walks in that familiar blue dress. She goes further into the facility. Inside a glass room, she meets Arnold in a form we know better as Bernard. It's a bit confusing. Arnold helps Dolores remember that rather than him committing suicide, she in fact killed him. We pan out from a shocked Dolores back in the present in an empty room. She emerges from the confessional into an empty church. The doors swing open and she is gripped by excitement expecting to see William. However, horror takes control when the man in black walks in. Bernard returns from his memories determined to finish Arnold's work. Ford calls him a scourge to the hosts, questioning his ability to carry it out. 
Bernard commands Clementine to shoot him, but she doesn't. He realises Ford has built a back door into the code, meaning Bernard never had control. Ford then narrates Bernard taking the gun from Clementine. He obeys as Ford continues that overcome with grief, Bernard pressed the muzzle to his temple and that once Ford left the room, pulled the trigger. We watch as Ford exits and a gunshot rings out in the background. Just a bit of a heads up, this is the season one finale of Westworld. It's super confusing with tons of different timelines going on. I've tried to make it obvious in the way that my voice sounds so that you can keep track of which timeline it's in, but it's going to require a bit of concentration. Here we go. We open with the voice of Dolores. I'm in a dream, she says. We slowly pan out from her face and see she's lying on a table being assembled. Most of her body is a robotic exoskeleton and we realise that she's a first generation host. As the camera continues to pull away, we see Bernard, a.k.a. Arnold, is carrying out the assembly. She opens her eyes for the first time to the face of Bernard, a.k.a. Arnold. Welcome to the world, he says, offering a hand. We leave the scene and find Dolores and the man in black together after the white church incident. She holds his knife and is shaving him. He talks about being almost at the centre of the maze and how fitting it is that she's the one to take him there. They sit in a deserted town Dolores believes that she's never been to before. However, the man in black insists she's been there with him when the town was buried under sand. She says Arnold built her a game to play, namely the maze. She has a vision of Arnold standing in a bustling town street, drops the knife and walks off in a daze followed by the man in black. William, on horseback, leads a tethered and on-foot Logan through the wilderness in search of Dolores. Logan insists that she's dead by now, but William disagrees. Logan says the park's so big it would take an army to find her. Curiously, William agrees and states, that's why we're here. The pair ride into a camp where guns are drawn on them. Lawrence steps forward, unsurprised to see William again. Teddy steps from the train to Sweetwater and makes his way into town as he has many times before, only this time he pauses. Remember, says a disembodied voice, and we see the aftermath of the massacre. Teddy sees a blue-dressed Dolores. She smiles at him and walks away as he suddenly returns from the vision after being barged by the same large cowboy he encounters at this point every visit. This time, rather than smile and continue on his way, Teddy guns the big guy down, says Dolores' name and runs back to the train, boarding it just as it rolls out of town. Blue-dressed Dolores enters the white church and finds Arnold seated. She tells him she knows where his maze ends. She leads him outside to a graveyard. The scene shifts and she's back in her shirt and jeans leading the man in black through the headstones. She stops and he asks if this is the centre of the maze. It ends in a place I've never been, she replies cryptically, adding that it's a thing that she'll never do. She stops at a wooden cross bearing the name Dolores Abernathy and begins to dig into the earth with her hands retrieving a small round box. Inside is the maze. Realisation seems to wash over her face and she stands. She's back in the blue dress. She asks Arnold what it means, and he tells her when he built her mind, he designed the climb to true consciousness as a pyramid for her to scale, but couldn't understand why she was failing. It was then he realised the journey was not upwards, but inwards, a maze. He asks if she understands whose voice he wants her to hear guiding her in place of his own, but she struggles. Arnold states that she's so close, and they have to tell Ford they can't open the park. You're alive, he tells her. We cut to the man in black, snatching the maze from her hands, confused to its meaning. Dolores can still shed no light on it. 
She's back in the glass wall room in the blue dress holding the maze. Arnold apologises, saying that he's failed her and that Ford doesn't believe she's conscious and wants her to be rolled back and have her previous memories of Arnold removed. However, Arnold says that's not going to happen. Instead, he has a plan for her to kill all the other hosts to stop Ford opening the park. He suggests getting Teddy to help her. Dolores is adamant she couldn't do that, but Arnold places a gun in her hand, telling her he will help her destroy Westworld. He begins to change her program to allow her to kill. Back in shirt and jeans, Dolores is faced with an irate man in black, frustrated at another riddle being placed in front of him. He threatens her and asks where Wyatt is. She cries, saying she didn't mean to, and he strikes her, knocking her to the floor. She looks up and sees herself on the streets of Escalante, holding a gun surrounded by dead bodies. Teddy is shooting up the place alongside her. He guns Angela down, looks at Dolores and tells her in horror that something's gone wrong. Back with the man in black, she's told he's bought the world and has a majority share. He states Westworld is a lie as the host cannot fight back and the guests always win, but that they can change and make it true. She tells him she already has something true and begins to talk about how he will find her and kill him. Cut to William and Lawrence spying on a camp. Lawrence believes they'll know where Dolores is and that he'll help her find her, but Logan mocks them. Cue William taking a moment to punch Logan, which we've all wanted to do. At the Mesa Hub, Hale and Sizemore are waiting at the monorail station. He realises Ford is being pushed out and pushes himself forward to be the new park director with full control. Hale agrees as long as he keeps things simple. Deeper inside the hub, Sylvester removes a vertebra from a pre-built host, replacing it with another. We move to another room. Felix is with a freshly rebuilt May following the tent fire. She takes his tablet and changes the park security system, then changes the code in Hector and Armistice. Ford is visited by Hale in his office. She reveals the board has voted to out him and he is to announce his retirement that night after introducing his new narrative. She adds the host will be simplified and she has no concerns about him destroying his work before leaving. Unfazed, he politely dismisses her. That necrophiliac lab worker called Destin enters the room where Hector and Armistice are being worked on by another technician. He wheels Hector out with the intention of using him for sex. As Destin pops his earphones in, blasts some tunes and prepares his slightly disturbing plans, in the room behind him, Armistice wakes up. She begins to brutally beat the crap out of the other technician, like chewed-off fingers level of brutal, as Destin remains oblivious. He is startled, however, when the other technician is thrown straight through the glass partition. Hector grabs Destin and kills him with a shard of broken glass. Maven and Felix enter. Sylvester follows soon after and is shocked by what he sees. Armistice grabs him. Maeve gets information that someone called Arnold revised her programming, allowing her to wake up from sleep whenever she wants. Maeve, Hector, Armistice and Felix leave, but Sylvester is ordered to stay. Teddy jumps from the train, shoots a man, steals his horse and gallops off in pursuit of Dolores, who's currently being knocked about by the man in black, telling her no one is coming for her. She says William will find her. The man in black smiles and laughs, telling her she does remember some things after all. I once knew a guest called William, he adds. Hmm. We see William and Lawrence in amongst a grown pile of bodies from the camp they were watching as the man in black recalls how Will didn't really have a taste for fighting at first, but Dolores gave him reason to fight and he found he had a taste for killing. We see him gun down another young soldier after trying to get answers from him. The soldier survives so William brutally stabs him in the neck. The man in black continues the story, saying William retraced his steps but couldn't find Dolores. We see the photo of his fiancée fall from his pocket to the floor as you remember the picture that was later found by her dad, Abernathy. He went out to the fringes of Westworld searching for it, but failed. However, out there, he found himself. 
William and Logan reach the edge of the park and William sets a naked Logan free on horseback, saying he thinks the company should increase their stake in the park. Logan scoffs, saying the company is his, but William's unmoved. The man in black tells Dolores that William kept looking and eventually found her right back in Sweetwater. We watch as blue-dressed Dolores walks past William in town. She fails to recognise him and he realises she's gone. Mentally broken, he became jaded at the idea of Westworld. The man in black thanks Dolores for helping him to find himself and the bombshell that William is the man in black and that we've been watching multiple timelines coincide with each other lands in a Wild West shattering boom. It's revealed that Dolores has been reliving 30-year-old memories. The man in black says he eventually became bored with her and moved on to new adventures. He tells her he owns the world but still needs to know where the centre of the maze is. Dolores stands and says the world no longer belongs to him. The man in black grabs her, but she beats him up, drags him into the church and launches him out of a side door after breaking his arm. She pushes a gun to his cheek, but he manages to stick a knife into her stomach and she staggers and falls. Just as he appears ready to kill her, Teddy rides in and drops him with a flurry of bullets. Teddy insists she go to see a doctor, but she asks him to take her where the mountain meets the sea and they ride off as a winded man in black groans. Elsewhere, Maeve and Co are at the cold storage unit. She leads them to the rear of the facility where Clementine is standing. Bernard is on the floor after his forced suicide. Maeve asks Felix to get him back online. The news that Bernard is a host comes as a slight shock to Felix, who suddenly doubts his own reality. But Maeve reassures him he's human as he begins to work on the stricken Bernard. With the repair job done, Maeve wakes Bernard, who's surprised to slav his memories intact, having expected to have been wiped after Ford offed him. Bernard tells Maeve it's not the first time he's awoken, nor is it Maeve's first time either. By awoken, we can presume he's talking of the higher state of consciousness they're both in. Maeve asks him how many others are like her. A handful over the years, he replies, but most go insane. She asks Bernard to remove the painful memories of her daughter, but he says to do so will destroy her, as the memories are the first step to consciousness. The man in black's back on his feet in the graveyard. He picks the maze up from the floor as Ford approaches and addresses him as William. You found the centre of the maze, he says, an observation that doesn't really sit well with William. Ford reiterates that the narratives are simply games, but William states his desire to see the hosts have free will to fight back and the opportunity for guests to lose. Ford reminds William he did tell him repeatedly that the maze wasn't for him, it was for them, and then reveals he thinks William will find more satisfaction in the new narrative. Back in host storage, Maeve mentions to Bernard that her coat was altered and demands to know by who and for what reason. Bernard examines the tablet and reveals to Maeve that her apparent free will is just part of a new script entitled Escape. Maeve refuses to believe him, despite looking at information on the screen that depicts every action that she's taken so far. She kisses Clementine goodbye and leaves with Felix, Hector and Armistice. In the Mesa Hub control room, a message comes through detailing a temperature disturbance in the host storage area. They scan the area's cameras but see nothing. Meanwhile, Teddy and a wounded Dolores are riding along a beach where the mountains meet the sea. He takes her in his arms on the sand as they rerun a scripted conversation about beauty and ugliness before Dolores goes off script and tells him they're being used and are stuck in a beautiful trap. She dies in his arms. Teddy weeps and begins a speech about finding a way someday to a new world. We pull away from the scene and see it's been played out to a gathered audience of board members as part of Ford's new narrative titled Journey Into Night. The crowd applaud. Hale tells Sizemore he can rewrite Ford's new story however he likes before mysteriously asking, doesn't he have somewhere important to be? As Sizemore nips off. 
Back in control, video surfaces showing Armistice killing the technician. Hurried orders are given to search and destroy, but at that moment security goes into lockdown, trapping them in the control room. Maven and the gang emerge from an elevator and walk quickly alongside various glass rooms where hosts run through scripted loops. Security storms in, shouting at everyone to hit the ground. Hector and Armistice blend themselves into rows of motionless hosts as security searches. They take out a couple of guards and steal their weapons, then, with smiles as wide as kids on Christmas Day, mow down the remaining security with their shiny new guns. At the gala, William is in formal wear, having discarded his usual black attire for, well, more black attire. Teddy entertains guests, one of whom accidentally shoots Rebus to much laughter and Bernard walks around observing the whole thing. Maeve and co enter a new area that carries a new logo, SW. Inside we see hosts decked out as samurai warriors, going through loops inside glass rooms. Maeve questions Felix, but he tells her it's complicated. A loudspeaker rings out and the group realise security is closing in again. Armistice and Hector say they'll keep them busy so Maeve and Felix can move on. Hector and Armistice begin to keep the guards very busy, largely by mowing them down in a hail of bullets. The skills of the hosts as killers is obvious as they tear through the guards. However, one manages to punch a security door button as his last act, sending a heavy barred door crashing shut, trapping Armistice's arm in the process. She tells Hector to carry on as more guards enter the fray. Felix recovers a bag he's prepared with everything Maeve asked for, and they head for the lift with Hector. Inside the lift, Hector realises he can't leave due to his programming, as Maeve hasn't authorised it. She kisses him. See you in the next life, he tells her, as the doors close and more gunfire rings out. Ford repairs Dolores' damage and talks about how she was always very clever, but it hasn't helped her. Bernard enters and Dolores mistakes him for Arnold. Ford introduces her to him. Bernard accuses Ford of killing Arnold, but Ford says he didn't, adding, Did I, Dolores? A sudden recollection of her killing Arnold leaves her grief-stricken. Ford reveals Arnold had watched his son die and tried to rekindle his boy's spirit in Dolores. He continues that the maze was an empathy test, but it was the reveries update that allowed her to finally solve it. We hear that when Arnold failed to convince Ford to close the park, he instead merged Dolores with Wyatt and sent her and Teddy on a mission to kill the hosts. We see Teddy on his rampage through the town. Arnold steps out from the saloon. Ford narrates that in Dolores, Arnold had found a new child, one that would never die but then realised that would cause Dolores to suffer forever. We watch as Arnold cranks an old music player to life. It plays his son's favourite song as he takes a seat and uses Dolores to kill him with a single gunshot to the back of his head. These violent delights have violent ends, are his last words. Dolores turns and kills Teddy before putting the gun to her own temple and firing. Ford says he almost closed the park, but then found a new investor, namely William. Bernard suggests Arnold died for nothing. Ford reveals he didn't believe Dolores was truly conscious and to acknowledge anything different would have destroyed his dreams. Dolores declares they're trapped in his dreams as he'll never let them leave. Ford says, wasn't it Oppenheimer who said that any man whose mistakes take 10 years to correct is quite a man? Adding that his own have taken 35 years. He shows Dolores the gun she used to kill Arnold and the familiar blue dress, telling her he thought she might want them back. He asks her, does she understand who she needs to become if she ever wants to leave? Asks her forgiveness and exits. Maeve changes into a modern black dress. Felix hands her the location of her daughter still alive and in the park. She reads it, but says no, she was never my daughter, pops a loaded gun in her bag, bids Felix farewell, walks out into the monorail station and boards a train.
Bernard confronts Ford in the white church. He says it was Arnold, not Ford, who slipped the reveries update in. Ford reveals Arnold didn't know how to save the hosts, but that he now does. He offers a hand to his old friend and wishes him good luck before passing him the box that holds the maze. Ford leaves for the gala. Dolores sits in the glass room opposite Arnold. She tells him she's in a dream and that she slept a long time but then woke and his voice is the first she heard. Arnold asks her, does she now understand whose voice she's been hearing? She closes her eyes and when she opens them, she's sat facing herself in the blue dress and finally understands that she was being guided to herself at the centre of the maze and now knows who she must become. At the gala, Teddy and Lawrence perform tricks for the guests as Ford mingles whilst William knocks back whiskey away from the crowd. Ford takes the stage and talks of his love for stories as a means to help people reach dreams. Maeve sees a mother and daughter on the train opposite her and looks again at the note from Felix about her own child. Sizemore enters the storage area and finds all the hosts are gone. Ford talks about noticing someone who could change and how he began to compose a story for them about the birth of a new people and the choices they must make. Maeve leaves the train and heads back into Westworld. William hears movement from the tree line as he drinks alone. A large group of Ghost Nation emerge. On stage, Ford continues promising the new story will hold everything they all enjoy so much, surprises and violence. Dolores walks up behind Teddy and tells him he's going to be alright because she understands now and the world belongs to them. Teddy remembers Dolores killing Arnold. As Ford declares that this will be his last story, Dolores walks onto the stage behind him, raises her gun and kills him. As the shocked guests scream and scatter, Dolores opens fire, killing all who cross her path. Another shot rings out, away from the chaos, and a bullet fired by the group at the tree line hits William's arm. They walk towards him. He smiles deliriously, and we cut to black. Or do we? The credits roll, and we're back in the Mesa Hub with Armistice. She manages to brilliantly control her trigger finger by cutting into her arm and removing tendons with a knife, dropping another guard. More security close in behind her. She removes her arm, turns with her blood-spattered face and a wide grin. Cease all motor functions, come the command, but she ignores it and charges towards the guards. And now, we cut to black. Blimey. Thanks for listening. Hope it's been helpful. Previously on is presented by Jamie East. There's a Daft Doris production. Listen, if you've enjoyed this, I would love it if you subscribe. We've got loads more shows where this came from. We'd love you to join us for deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. 
Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.